the sermon is missing. Where would it be? Where did Aaron put it? Oh, there he put it over here. That's this student pastor. <laughs> I'm so glad that I found it. All right. It would have been really short if I hadn't. Today's gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, the third of the four gospels in the New Testament, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground But the man said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then the women remembered Jesus' words. When the women came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed to them to be like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me? May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Lots of things come in sets of threes. Water is comprised of, well, the forms of solid, liquid, gas. Atoms have protons, neutrons, and electrons. Matter comes in three basic forms, animal, vegetable, and mineral. And, of course, ice cream, the Neapolitan kind, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Eggs, many of you have hunted Easter eggs this weekend, have a yolk, an egg white, and a shell. We as people have a past, present, and a future. We are body, mind, and spirit. Some of us make decisions, our staff especially, of critical decisions, rock, paper, scissors. Some of you enjoy the three musketeers. Some of you like reading books with the number three, like Goldilocks and the three bears, or the how many little pigs, children? Three. Some of you guys have on three-piece suits, 
Some of you, many of you have heard three-point sermons with poems, many of those. And some of our families are, well, like a three-ring circus. In baseball, there are three strikes and you're out. As people, we experience birth, life, and death. As Christians, we embrace faith, hope, and love. And of course, as Christian people, we worship a God in the triune form, the three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, Creator, Savior, Wisdom. It is often said that things happen in threes. Some of you will say, two bad things have happened and I'm just waiting on the third one. Sometimes there are streaks of three good things and other times... Three not-so-good things. But I'm not so sure there's a regular pattern of good things happening in threes or bad things happening in threes. As much as our minds are conditioned to see patterns in nature, our minds are mysteriously able to break things down into small groups, and often it's threes and sixes. We can remember them easier that way. Whatever you know about the number three, there is something mysterious about it. Something unique about three. Maybe that's why there are so many uses of the number three in the Bible. One writer says that there are some 523 uses of the number three in the Bible. It's used to measure all sorts of things. For example, the number of... Uh, or quantity, like uh, Noah, who had three sons, or the Ark of the Covenant, the sacred box that the Israelites carried with them through the desert and set it up with the tabernacle for worship. And in the box were three articles, the articles of the jar of manna, manna from heaven, the tablets of the Ten Commandments, and Aaron's staff that had budded. Three measures time. Three days and three nights, Jonah was in the whale, for example. Three months or three years, we find often. We see the number three used for emphasis, completeness, and finality. We also see that it refers to strength in numbers. Often at weddings, Ecclesiastes 4.12 is used. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Three days of waiting means that there's an assignment coming. Three days can be a time of fasting and prayer as with Esther or Nehemiah. And of course, it can be a time of testing and challenge where the Apostle Paul prayed three times for the Lord to remove the thorn in his flesh. And Jesus who received three unique kinds of temptations from the Satan in the wilderness. And we know that there were three crosses on Calvary's hill Jesus there hung between two thieves when he died. I want to suggest that for us on Easter Sunday, the number three has life-changing significance. On that very first day of the week, while it was very dark, the women went to the tomb. They had prepared spices and they desired to complete Jesus' burial process to give him the right burial that he so deserved. But when they got there, they saw that the stone had been rolled away and the entrance was open. And they entered the entrance and Jesus' body was gone. We can only imagine the grief that they felt. 
much as when we experience grief in our time of loss. Maybe they were sad. Maybe they were confused. Maybe they were angry. Maybe they were trying to figure out what had happened. While they were wondering about what they had seen, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood among them. And the, the, the women's first response, and I would like it for be to my, my first response too, and that was one of worship, a posture of worship. They got down and bowed down before them. They knew that they were in the presence of holiness. The men, messengers or angels from God, said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? And here's verse 7. The Son of Man must be delivered over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. The messengers explained to the women the reason that Jesus' body was not there. It was because Jesus did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. He would rise from the dead. The disciples, women and men, disciples all along heard him say this, but it was very difficult for them to understand what it truly meant. The first day was Friday. Remember that the Jewish day begins at sundown. Jesus was forced to walk up high to Calvary's hill where he was lifted high on a cruel Roman cross. For six hours he suffered in agony. And then at three o'clock that afternoon he finally gave up his last breath saying, it is finished. And he died. He was placed in the tomb late on that Friday afternoon, the day before the Sabbath. That Friday, even though it was a portion of a day, was the first day. And then Jesus waged battle with the darks and the, the darkness and the depth of evil on that Saturday. We call it Holy Saturday. This was the second day. And day three began at sundown that Saturday and early that next morning, Sunday, the women went to the tomb the third day. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the third day. Scripture calls this the first day of the week, Sunday morning. But it was the third day since he had experienced his cruel death. Jesus had said many times through his ministry that he would be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And sometime in the darkness of that early morning, that early that Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the grave and the women arrived only to find the stone rolled away and the grave empty. The messages reminded the women of Jesus' promise. And Luke tells us that after hearing the angel's words, the women remembered his words. And that's in verse 8. They remembered what he had said. And then they went back to the other disciples and told them what they had seen and heard. But the men didn't believe them. Women weren't considered credible witnesses in a court of law back then in that culture. They just shrugged it off thinking it was nonsense. But something, or perhaps someone, nudged Peter and spoke and said, in his mind, there must be more to this. So he got up and ran to the tomb. And when he looked inside, 
he saw only the strips of linen lying there by themselves. And he, like the women, went away wondering what had happened. The women went to the tomb expecting to find Jesus' body in the tomb. They knew death was final. After all, they had witnessed what had happened to him. And they were given a word. They were given a reminder. This message of resurrection flew in their face and it was contrary to what they knew to be true. For many of us, our only logical response to this kind of message is unbelief. Experience teaches us that death wins. But the Easter message says that Jesus lives. When we are confronted with contradictory claims, often we continue to affirm what we already do know. This is exactly what the other disciples did when they heard what the women had said. The men responded as thinking kind of people, logical kind of people, rational kind of people, as would, they would respond. They thought the message was an idle tale and they did not believe the women. Unbelief does not mean that people believe nothing. Unbelief means that they believe something else. People say, I don't believe it because there is something else they believe more strongly. But this is where the Easter message begins its work by challenging our certainties, our presuppositions. Experience tells us that death wins and that even the strongest succumb to it. Experiences tells us Experience tells us that life is what we make it and that we are supposed to get the most, the fastest, while we can, no matter whom we hurt. That whoever gets the most, the fastest wins. And that life is going to end anyway. But the Easter message challenges all of this and says, really, how can you be so sure? The Easter message says that death is not final and that Jesus, He gets the last word. The Easter message calls us from our old belief in death to a new belief in life. One writer says the claim that the tomb could not hold Jesus and the idea that the one who died by crucifixion is so outrageous that it might make you and me wonder whether it might just might be true. Peter himself knew that death was death. That he had to go and see and wonder, what if this comeback story is really true? What if this comeback story is really true? Comeback stories challenge our expectations. No one would expect a robotics team who couldn't even qualify for the district championships to be headed to the Worlds, but the robotics team from Thomas Jefferson High School in Richmond is doing just that. An under-resourced team that was at the bottom last year, the Viking bots have gone from irrelevancy to being on the cusp of a world championship. The Times-Dispatch reports that they earned a silver medal as runner-up in the Chesapeake District Championship, beating three top seeds 
before ultimately finishing second place out of nearly 60 other teams from Virginia, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. Now the team is headed to Detroit to take on students from across the globe. That's our TJ from Richmond. They joined other schools like our own L.C. Bird and Jake Rouse on that team. Jake told me after the early service, Jenny, that TJ and Elsie Bird are, ta- are going together in the same vehicle, same bus. J.R. Tucker joins them and Deep Run as well. This is a great comeback story. No one would expect a number one seed in the NCAA tournament to get beat by a number 16 seed, but that's what happened last year in 2018 when the University of Virginia Cavaliers lost to a number 16 seed University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Even more, no one would expect UVA to come back from such a devastating and embarrassing loss to win a championship the very next year, but that's exactly what they did. And their coach, Tony Bennett, a strong believer, says this, quote, if you learn to use it right, the adversity... It will buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. That's an incredible comeback story. Tiger Woods won his last Masters when my daughter Isabella was one year old. She's now 15. He had not won a major championship in 11 years. He endured a very public divorce, an embarrassing DUI, Addiction and struggle with painkillers and alcohol, four back surgeries, and a whole lot more. And no one, not even himself, ever expected to swing a golf club again, but to not only play in the Masters, but to win the Masters? But after being behind all tournament long, he started his comeback on the final nine of Augusta. You can hear Jim Nance saying Tiger Woods coming up the 18th green here at Augusta, a tradition like no other. You could hear the fans roar when the scoreboard changed with Tiger in the lead by two strokes, and he never looked back. He had accomplished the impossible. He challenged everyone's expectations, even his own, with one of the greatest comebacks in all sports history, becoming the second oldest Masters champion just one behind Jack Nicholas. These are some incredible comeback stories. You can think of others. We could share more. But the point is they all pale in comparison to the greatest comeback story ever told when on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the grave just as He had said. And the women and men who followed Jesus, their previous expectations and presuppositions of death and life would be completely turned upside down. They'd be shattered. And Peter, the one who had just denied him three times, would be changed and transformed through this resurrection story. Ultimately, Jesus would meet him face to face within that resurrection week and reinstate him as one of his followers. Even Peter was able to make a comeback by the grace of God. Like Peter, like the others who heard the story, like the women who witnessed his resurrection first, we can all be third-day people. 
I believe that when we accept Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, that we become third-day people. Where death, disappointment, and despair no longer claim the victory. Where our past failures no longer determine our future. The old has gone, the new has come, as the Apostle Paul says. And where there is always a comeback available to us through Him, through Him who came back just as He had said. Where do you need to make a comeback in your life? Where would you like to make some changes? Do you have some regrets? Is your marriage struggling and you'd like to do everything you can to help it succeed? Are you in a struggle with some kind of substance that's really just got change around you? You feel that you're in prison to it through Christ Jesus and some good help and recovery groups, you can make a comeback. There is always a comeback available to us through Him who first came back. Remember the words of Jesus to His disciples the night that He was betrayed. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know the way to the place where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From now on you have seen him and you know him. Let us pray. Thank you for being a a God of comebacks who turned the everyday expectations and presuppositions of people, even those closest to you, completely upside down. That you defeated death and sin, conquered the grave, and rose that we might not live in fear of death, but rather that we might have life and have it in abundance. And that as third-day people, we too can have a comeback. We too can receive forgiveness. We too can learn how to reconcile with those with whom we differ and to extend forgiveness to those who have harmed us And to seek people to be people who model the humility, the grace, love, and mercy of our Lord Jesus. Thank you that on this day, 
we can stand and say, He has risen, He has risen indeed. And Lord, I pray that as we sing this song of response, that you would have your way within each of us. And that you would help those who, who need to come back to take that first step of healing and hope today. In the wonderful, merciful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.